Welcome to the podcast, Art Life Stories with Sarah Story. I've spent over a decade working in art museums in order to enrich individual lives and communities. I am currently the Executive Director of the Mississippi Arts Commission, the statewide arts agency based in Jackson, Mississippi. This podcast will explore all aspects of having a career in a creative industry, the joys, the frustrations, and how leaders have developed their unique skills needed for their roles. You can find me on YouTube and Instagram, all linked on the website, sarahstoryartlife.com. Please direct message me on Instagram with any questions or ideas for this show. Thanks for tuning in. In today's podcast, my husband, Chris Raglan, interviews me about my career in the arts and how I went from working in museums for about 10 years to running a state arts agency in Mississippi. We talk about the different areas of art that I've been able to work in, my pathway to getting here, and about um, Mississippi. So I hope you enjoy the podcast. You can learn more at sarahstoryartlife.com and on my Instagram, sarahstoryartlife. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome to the Art Life Stories podcast. Today, my husband, Chris Raglan, is going to interview me, um, and we're going to talk a little bit about my career and how I got to this point. So, welcome, Chris. Thanks. I think I think Sarah is just tricking me to see if I could ask her how her day went today. <laughs> I think that's really what we're here to do, to be honest. I'm excited to be here. This is great. I really am excited to be here. And I guess in kind of a reverse interview format, um, you know, I've always been curious about kind of your normal day-to-day functions because when I do hear about what you do on a regular basis, it sounds a lot like running a business, right? It sounds like you get to meet with really cool people and do really fun things. But at the end of the day, it sounds like a lot of the same skills that I see in the traditional business world you use every day. So maybe like what you could do would be to help me out and paint a picture of like your typical day. Like what does that look like? And and then maybe we can break that down and like and how do you get to that point? But just starting off where you are today would be interesting. Yeah, so it's really different every day, which is what I love about um, my career in the art world. So currently I'm the executive director of the Mississippi Arts Commission based in Jackson, Mississippi. So that's our statewide arts agency. Do you mean to talk a little bit about what that is first? If you yeah, know? I mean, I think so. So a lot of people don't understand what a state arts agency does, which is completely understandable. So we, um, are, we promote and fund the arts throughout the state. And arts includes individual artists, dancers, writers, playwrights, and then also organizations such as art museums, dance companies, theaters, and then we also do a lot of project grants for festivals, art programs, public art. So it really is very wide encompassing. We Additionally, we have um, an arts integrative program into the public school systems throughout Mississippi, so we have a whole other program called Whole Schools Initiative, and that's the the 
purpose of that program is to have arts integrated into subjects such as math and science in public schools so that kids can both learn some skills in arts, learn how to creatively express themselves, but also learn how to process um, in different ways and not just resuscitate, so not just memorize and spill back out for a test, but actually how to process a concept in math or science or literature or history and then be able to creatively express that back out into their classroom. And so that really helps them develop their cognitive skills so that they're able to express themselves in many different ways, which is just good for society. So we also, so we're funded through a couple different ways. So we um, are funded through the state government. So um, we're a budget, line item budget in the state every year. Um, and then we're funded by the National Endowment for the Arts, which is our national funding source. So that's a, a national budget line item every year. And then we also fundraise from private individuals and private foundations. And then occasionally we'll also go after our own grants for big initiatives. Okay, that's a lot. Yes, <laughs> I mean, it is. So, so we talked about whole food or whole foods. We talked about whole <laughs> schools. Yeah, I, I'm hungry all the time. Um, we talked about whole schools initiative. Mm-hmm. We talked about the various types of art forms and you named a, many of them, but like does it go to like culinary arts and like is it pretty broad when like yeah, you know, it's we pretty talk about broad. Those? It's just um, it just depends on what it is in any particular art form. So for example, we can't support a the operating costs for for profit company like a restaurant. Right. We can support like training for an interesting culinary art chef. Okay. You know, but or we can, for like a painter, we can't fund a for-profit gallery that sells art, but we can fund painting supplies for an artist. We can fund professional development art opportunities or workshops, websites, um, digital media, etc. Anything needed for an artist to work in their field, an individual artist, and then in we fund a lot of operational support for 501c3 nonprofit entities. So that could be anything from a museum, again, to a ballet, to a, you know, programs in schools, to a festival. And then many entities that do not have their 501c3 status, they are allowed to use tax exempt status and apply to the Arts Commission through things like a community foundation. So if they set up a funded community foundation that can be 501c3 status, then that fund can qualify to apply to the Arts Commission. So we try to be very broad so that we can really create very little barriers to access to public funding for the arts. So I'm, I'm just thinking of, you know, everything that must go into funding organizations, individuals, um, initiatives, partnering with whole school initiatives, I mean, this is a this is a machine. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, is is the are you having a drink? Can I have a drink? That sounds like a it's, good idea. It's water, but Wh- sure. Yeah. Where's my drink? Um, this sounds like a big deal. I mean, like, and, and you've said we fund more than once, so it sounds to me like 
a very big part of your organization and what you do is essentially trying to be a conduit to move funds from like state and maybe federal granting organizations into like local artists and initiatives. Is that fair? Like, is that what you are? So does that mean you're a lobbyist? Like, do you do that kind of stuff? Like, how does that work? So technically I'm not a lobbyist, but I do do the work of the lobbyist. So I meet with legislators, with our Lieutenant Governor's office, with Governor's office, um, both at the state level and national level. So in Mississippi, we have, um, of course, state level legislators, both in Congress and Senate, but then we also have um, Congress and Senate on the national level. So I meet with those folks as well to make sure that the Mississippi Arts are represented in their priority line items. And occasionally, um, for example, Senator Hyde Smith in Mississippi right now is on the Appropriations Committee for the Arts in D.C. So it's really important that I communicate with her about the importance of the arts, not only in Mississippi, but all over our country because she has a actual vote and say in that. Wow. Item. So do you, do you find yourself talking with other versions of yourself throughout the country maybe that have like art initiatives? Is it like solely on Mississippi or do you have a broader view? So every state has some type of agency that manages the art funds. And so it varies widely from state to state, but there are 52 people that have my job in every state. So we meet regularly to talk about larger issues, concerns in the field, trends, what we need to be addressing in our fields throughout the country. And then we also have a regional board. So our regional board consists, a regional entity consists of the non-Southern states. And so that entity is called South Arts. And so I'm also very involved with um, those executive directors and I serve on that board. And so that's a whole another organization that takes up a lot of time and energy, which is positive to just connect not only just to Mississippi, but to make sure that Mississippi is connected to the region and national conversation. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense, right? A lot of the art and artists that even I'm familiar with that come out of the state of Mississippi play on a national and a global stage, right? So being connected makes a lot of sense. So you're talking about you're on boards, you're effectively lobbying, sounds like you, you're also raising private capital too, mm-hmm. right? That's augmenting. And then on the other side, it's massive amounts of administration in terms of, I guess, how do you choose? And, and that's what I really want to dig into now is like, it sounds like, okay, you've got all these different sources of capital that are coming in. And then you have like all these wonderful artists and programs. How do you fairly objectively decide who gets money? Like that sounds like that could be really difficult. So thankfully, because we are a state and nationally funded, we have very transparent processes. So, oh, so they we, can't buy me a, like a drink and I could be like, I'm putting a good word. Is that, that's not how it works? No. Okay. <laughs> thankfully. Too, that's too bad. That was the bummer. I was getting real excited there for a second. You're going to go buy some art supplies. Yeah, this was great. This was amazing. Anybody need something, you got the hookup, right? No. They'll that's, see right through your application. That's too bad. Okay. All right. Um, so we... So we have um, deadlines every year for different types of grants, and it's all on our website and very much explained. We also have office hours. We travel throughout the 
throughout the state to talk with different entities about funds that they're eligible to apply for because we really want to make sure that we're funding throughout the entire state. So even in smaller counties, smaller regions that don't have um, as much exposure Wow, so you're, to you're, arts and funding. So you're saying some of it might just be awareness. A like lot of it's awareness. You're having to just let people know, hey, this exists. Yeah. If you apply, <laughs> right? Right, absolutely. And so then, so then, you know, organizations and individual artists, people, schools, municipalities, cities, whoever wants to do project grants, they all apply through a system. And then the Arts Commission sets up panels of experts in order to review all of the applications in their area of expertise. So, for example, for the organizational grants, we get executive directors from different areas, um, usually some inside the state, some outside the state, to look over the grants. They have the criteria in order to go through, read each grant, and um, rate organizations on how they're doing on the criteria that we have. So then they meet together as a panel, they give them a score, and then that score goes to our grants committee on our board. So we have a um, board, an arts commission board, that is appointed by the governor. And so they review all of the scores, all of the notes, and recommend to our full board what should be funded and then at what level based on the percentage of the score. So then the whole entire board votes to either approve um, the funding or they'll ask questions or sometimes we'll kind of go back and forth about different scores or line items to ensure that it's a very transparent process and everybody has the opportunity to get funds if they are doing good work in Mississippi and affecting change in their communities through the arts. So it's really important because it's millions of dollars every year that we manage and we want to ensure that it is um, very fairly and equitably distributed throughout the state. Wow. That's what I mean. That's crazy. The fact that people don't even know about it. I mean, you have your work cut out for you, you know, it's a lot. Well, you know, I mean, a lot of people know about it. Like we fund, it's over 500 grants a year in the past year. Um, But yeah, I mean, there's always definitely like new audiences that don't completely understand what we're doing. And so um, a lot of my job is spreading the word through our (laughs) communication channels, doing interviews, going to talk to groups of people. Um, I serve on a lot of commissions throughout the state in order to stay connected. Um, and just in constantly meeting with different groups. That's awesome. Let's shift gears. Uh, it's going to sound weird me asking this question. I think I know the answer, but how long have you been doing this? So I started working in the arts when I was an undergrad in college. I was probably about 19 years old, and I was in Oxford, Mississippi, attending the University of Mississippi, and I had started um, a BFA in painting, and needed some art history credits. And so I started working at the local art museum in Oxford called the University Museum and Historic Houses. And so that entity included of an incredible um, art encyclopedic museum. So meaning that they had art, both contemporary art, Southern art, they had an incredible Egyptian collection, a Grecian collection, and quite a and scientific instruments. It's just really interesting. So I started working in collections and learning how like the back of an art museum operates. And then um, during that time, 
the education director left the institution, so the director just asked me to step in and just kind of help out with some programs, just keep it on track until they were able to hire a new education director. Um, And I ended up just kind of really enjoying managing programs, managing interns, connecting with different departments on the university's campus to involve students in the museum because we were doing a lot of work. We were doing outreach programs throughout the Hill Country in North Mississippi. We were doing after-school programming. We had concerts. You know, we had art openings, we had exhibitions. So it was just really interesting and kind of like always a moving, revolving door of what was going on and just so many different types of people, so many different types of groups communities of every type in that city were involved in the institution in one way or another. So I became really interested in how an art museum can be involved with the community at so many levels in that way. And so I continued to work at the museum. I was actually offered that full-time job when I was still an undergrad in college while I was getting my BFA in painting. So I graduated and I stayed on. I got officially hired by the university um, to be the curator of education. I stayed there for about a year and a half and then I moved down to New Orleans to work at the Ogden Museum of Southern Art as the project coordinator and then to attend graduate school in arts administration at the University of New Orleans. And so there as project coordinator, I was really helping the Ogden um, get through a difficult time. It had just been through Katrina and through the financial crisis. And so it had been through a lot of interim directors So at that time, um, William Andrews had just started as executive director, and he's still there now, which is awesome. So that was 2012. And so we... You knew him from the university, mm -hmm. right, as well? He was the director of the university. Okay. Yeah. And so he asked him to come down there because he just had a lot of work cut out for him. And really just, you know, the museum just needed an overall on every level. So like policies, procedures, organizational chart the way that exhibitions were um, developed, the way that the museum's communication department worked, the way that development was handled. So just kind of the board really, uh, there's a lot of great board members, but there's also a lot of change needed. And so we just took on the, a whole big project. It felt like Um, a startup almost because it was just so much work on every single level in order to get the museum operating in an effective way so that it could um, you know both be a effective institution in the city but then also continue to grow and change with um, New Orleans as it was growing um, after Katrina and then also it you know it had been around for about eight years at that point so it was time for the museum to really uh, fold into the larger story of um the art world nationwide and it had just not quite gotten to that level yet and so we were able to create a lot of really interesting strategic partnerships do a lot of traveling exhibitions work with other institutions throughout the country and um and grow the institution from about a probably 2.2 million dollar budget to by the time i left um it was over four million dollars so for a small nonprofit art museum when I got there it really grew a lot in the time that I was there so I learned so much about just how to grow an institution how to create strategic partnerships how to grow 
and manage his staff, how to grow and manage programs, and kind of do everything all at once in order to get an institution to where it needed to be. So then during that time, I graduated from graduate school and then became the deputy director. And so then that was also really helpful just to learn um, more about how to work with the board, how to work with um, larger institutions. We were working on a huge exhibition that was traveling um, to six different cities at the time. And so just we were traveling with donors, starting to attend art fairs, just making those wider connections. Um, So that was just really helpful. And then I decided to leave New Orleans and go to Austin, Texas to direct the Umlauf Sculpture Garden and Museum. And that was incredible because Austin's just such a big city. The Umlauf had been around for 30 years, but it was um, just needed a, a overhaul as well. Similar to the Ogden, it had so much potential in the city that it was in and the way the population was growing. Um, but it just really needed some time and intention to redo kind of everything somewhat similar to the Ogden in the sense it was like programs needed to be rethought, exhibitions, definitely funding strategy, revenue streams, and a lot of staff um, needed to change over. And so was able to work there for three years. That's where I met you. And then it really helped the UMOF um, just grow and change in Austin and become more relevant, become more interesting, have engaging programs that were relevant to the audiences in Austin. And then, again, just creating those strategic partnerships with other nonprofits, with other for-profits in order to raise the visibility of the institution. And then, as always, just create more effective impact throughout the community and the arts. So... I'm listening to these these different phases, right? You've got, you know, undergrad, you know, when you're in college and you're working at a museum. Then you go to New Orleans and it's a, a larger museum with, you know, a bigger budget, rapidly changing. Um, and then you go to a bigger city with, uh, you know, a museum and sculpture garden that needs to go through transition. All of these sound like you know, the common themes I'm hearing, even back to what you do today, it's, it's administration, it's programming, it's outreach. Like these are the core skills of an administrator in in your field. Is that true? I think it's that. It's also relationship building, consensus building between board, between board members, between staff, and then creating larger partnerships in order to raise visibility in communities. Um, And then I think a lot of it is just like trying to really understand what's relevant to a community in order to help grow the institution to what the community needs. So that's not going to look the same in every city Mm. or every community because it's so different. I think that's a really important aspect that I've learned along the way that you can't just replicate what you've done in another city like you could maybe with a for-profit business because it's just so incredibly different when you're talking about the arts and community building. Yeah, they have different challenges. They have different needs. Different priorities. Yeah. So how do you, what are the skills that you think that you're really honing that help you be successful in different cities, different museums, different focus? Um, Well... What do you mean? Like, well, I just think if someone wanted to do what you do, uh-huh. what are the skills that you? Is it like I'm 
a good diplomat because I have to really lobby between different organizations, groups, and money. You know, you kind of play all those roles. Or is it I'm a really great administrator and growing organizations and crafting new programs and working with building personnel, right? These are just different things. And and I'm thinking, like, what are the key skills that, like, really have helped you along the way? So, yeah, I think it's it can be different for everyone. I think for me, it's learning how to do a little bit of everything and learning how to be flexible with what the institution needs. So, so a lot of it, I mean, of course, it's one, listening. Like, listening to the community, listening to the staff, listening to the board, understanding where the institution is, the realities of where it is within a community, the realities of where it is within its history, and then understanding where these constituents, where the board, staff, community want to see this institution go. And then also understand, like, the more national view of the arts, whether it's for state arts agencies or the, or art museums, and understand where it could go, like what other types of impact could it have in the community and what could be helpful, what could be filling a niche in that community. So that's one. And then two, I mean, the the role of an executive director, I think, in for-profit or non-profit business is always to keep the vision and the mission at your core. And so make sure, ensuring that everything that you do it goes back to the vision and mission of the organization because otherwise you're just like throwing darts at a wall. However good idea you may have, it's not truly deeply based on the core of what you're supposed to be doing, what you say you're doing, then it's going to fail or ultimately it's going to fail. It might be a program that's really great for a little while, but it will fizzle out and fall if it doesn't go back to the core of what you're, you say you're going to be doing in the community. And then a lot of it is just, um, I mean, constantly understanding how to move everything forward. So whether it's communications, whether it's programs, whether it's strategic planning, fundraising, you know, you just have to keep a whole bird's eye view on the entire organization and make sure that you are working with people hiring staff, working with different groups that are going to help move that entire thing forward, that you are on the same page with everybody. So that's everything from consistent meetings to making sure that everyone understands and can really um, be aligned themselves with the mission and vision of the organization. And then uh, the rest of it is just, you know, I think just constantly communicating. I think that's a big part of it. <laughs> I, I'm listening to like these things and it's like, um, you know, consensus building, understanding what the landscape is, being very mission driven. Let me ask you this. Do you see, are there other forms of, of leadership styles that are successful? Like, do you see people that are almost the opposite where they come in and impose their will on an organization? And like, how does that end up working for them are there you know you don't have to say any names but like does that work or there definitely are (laughs) many leaders that do that i'm sure both in for-profit and non-profit absolutely world i I see it work sometimes in the short term because people can get excited it's like a shiny new object coming in with a firebolt and wanting to light the place on fire Mm -hmm. and so people can get excited that about that for a little bit and the leader's excited about it for a little bit, but oftentimes what I've seen is that that's not long-term 
sustainable change and growth for an organization. Because unless you can really do that early work of listening, understanding where a place is, understanding where the stakeholders are within that entity, where the community is, and really basing your growth and plan on the reality of whatever organization and situation that you're in a community, then it's not going to be authentic to what the community and institution needs. So it could be really fun and like flashy for a little bit, but in the long term, it fizzles out quickly because people realize like, oh, wait a second, why are we doing this? Or like, oh, wait a second, like we're doing this, this, and this, and this, but like how do I even prioritize what we're doing? Even if it could, it could all be great things. It could be like somebody comes in with 10 new exhibitions and it's really exciting and big names, but then... You know, what do you focus on? How do you get people's attention for all 10 of these things? I don't know. That's just a random example. But it's just, yeah, I just think for long-term change, this is a lesson that I've had to learn um, over the years, is that for long-term change, it really just takes more time to plan and to uh, thoughtfully and responsibly think through what you're doing and where you're leading people, where you're leading an institution, leading a board, what direction that's in. That's interesting. That's really great. I'm I'm not going to disclose or do the math for everyone on how long you've been doing this, but you've been doing this for a number of years. Are there things that you really want to achieve or things that you want to be able to bring to the Mississippi Arts Commission or maybe in your personal life or, you know, for yourself? Because, you know, you're also an, you know, an artist yourself, but like, these skills that you're developing, think about it as a roadmap. What, what are some areas that you know you want to continue to hone yourself? Yeah, for sure. So right now, so I just started at the Arts Commission last November. And so right now I'm really understanding how government funding works. And so like how to create a plan, create a strategy, get input from legislators, from stakeholders, from the board, from staff along the way. And then get buy-in from the right people in state and national government in order to get funded, you know, big programs, big initiatives. Like right now, I'm really interested in funding, um, getting additional funding for, um, for infrastructure in Mississippi. So for our buildings, for, you know, nonprofit art museums, for theaters, for community centers, for, you know, all these buildings that get neglected that are hard for smaller communities to fundraise for. So right now I've just created a proposal for um, for this fund uh, that the Arts Commission would manage and take applications for and then distribute funds and manage all the projects throughout the state. And um, so I will be asking for funds through the American Rescue Plan funds that's going to the state of Mississippi and then also through our legislative process, which will happen in um, ultimately in February. But, you know, you start all that. A year prior to make sure that everything it's you know it's a huge just strategy game it's kind of like a little chess game and it's it's really interesting so I'm definitely still learning how that process works the best way to do things who to talk to um but I really enjoy it it's fun I think it's fun to learn new aspects of job and how just different thing processes work in the world that's great I know I already know this answer, but are you enjoying your time at, at the Mississippi Arts Commission right now? Yeah, I really am. Yeah. It's fascinating. Yeah, it's good. Every day is so different. Like earlier you asked me what a day looks like. So today, I mean, it could just it just varies so widely. So, you know, today was like a bunch of quick phone calls, emails, 
and then I met with a a new executive director of an arts council in the Delta had come down to meet with me because she, you know, was just needs to learn more about her community, learn more about Mississippi, um, how her organization fits within all of it, how to start a new job as an executive director. So we had a, a lunch conversation. I brought her over to the Mississippi Museum of Art to show her. Right now there's a um, art exhibition up of 43 contemporary artists in Mississippi, so she could just get a sense of what's happening visual art-wise in our state. Then um, we met with a staff member there. Then I went over to a different um, organization to look at their building because we were talking about this building funds. We were looking and assessing just different needs that they have, the timeline of their needs. Um, They're trying to get some huge renovations done that are much needed, not just like pretty renovations, but like, you know, real infrastructure issues taken care of before um, some huge events that are coming to Jackson. And then I went back to the Mississippi Arts Commission office, met with staff, our whole staff team for an hour. Um, And then I hopped on a call with a Zoom call with our South, South Arts, which is our regional board that I mentioned earlier that covers the non-state regions. And we were talking about um, fundraising and advancement and strategies that we needed for a couple big, huge initiatives that we're working on with that organization. Um, And then I was working on proposals the rest of the day and sending out proposals and getting feedback and then um, getting ready because tomorrow I'll meet with one of our board members who's um, really influential in state government about a couple of these proposals and then um, I'll talk on a panel tomorrow morning about tech in the arts and creativity so that'll last the morning and then I have a meeting with actually tomorrow with all of the state directors um, throughout the state and a zoom call that'll be about two hours and then I'll have some more local meetings so it's just really really different every day so and then as you know I travel throughout the state almost every week to different cities and different groups so it's it's always something new how many times do you have like a day that feels just like the the, another day or I was gonna say is there ever a day that's like another day no pretty much never it's just yeah um, really different every day and preparation is very looks very different every day yeah, and that, that excites you because some people want to do the same thing. It does, you know. I really enjoy I really enjoy the changes, and I will say that, as you know, a lot goes into that. Though I mean, it is a lot of extra work in order to be prepared for every day and how different it looks. So, as you know, for me, like running or exercising in the morning is key because I can clear my head, I can wake up, I can think about the day, I can kind of mentally prepare, then also just have time to myself to think about, you know, remind myself of why I'm doing this, why I want to be doing this, why I want to be here, just so that I can be present throughout the day, gain energy for the day, kind of understand where I need my energy to lie and um, and be at um, peak throughout the day. And then that really helps just ground me because otherwise, if I just woke up and rolled in to any of this, I would not, I don't think I would do a very good job. I would not be like mentally prepared or mentally present in order to effectively do my job at every step along the way throughout each day. Well, let me ask you a question. Maybe we'll end it on this. 
if you were talking to someone right now who wanted to cross over into arts administration, or perhaps they're already in arts administration, and they're trying to figure out how they can, you know, evolve and grow and continue to develop themselves, what's some of the best advice that you could offer those types of people? I would say, so if you're not in the arts and you want, if or nonprofits and you want to work in nonprofits, then best advice I can give is start volunteering like find an organization that you really care about start working in their development department start volunteering for a fundraiser you'll learn so many skills along the way just from first volunteering and then eventually with the skills that you gain either through understanding how to plan a fundraiser if you learn how to manage a membership campaign or if you learn how to help out with a database system for their donor database then that could lead into an entry-level job very easily. And then through that entry-level job, I would say make sure if you were working in one area of the institution you want to learn about something else, go talk to the person in the other area. You know, ask, can I help with something because I want to learn these skills that you have. You know, if, if you're working in development, you want to learn more about curatorial, ask if you can help um, with cataloging an exhibition or if you can help learn, if you want to learn how the database works in collections or if you want to help... Um, learn how to set up an exhibition. Just ask that. Get the skills that you, that you see around you that you can learn from the people around you and just start knocking it off like one thing at a time. I mean, that's what I've always done is I've always gone that extra mile to really understand like what other skills I could learn in whatever situation that I'm in. And that will always help grow your skill set. It will always help grow and help you get to that next level if you want to get to the next level. You know, so for me right now, for example, it's really important that I learn all of these processes around how state and national government works because that's an important part of my job. And I think it's also really interesting because that will help me for the rest of my life to understand how that works. Like, that's really interesting to me. Um, Whether I, you know, do this for the rest of my life or if I move to a different role, there's really, like, no losing when you're learning new skills that really help you understand more about the world or more about how um, society or government or organization functions. That's great. I think that's probably the best piece of advice that anybody could take, right? There's no losing situation by learning new skills. Yeah, and a lot of times, you know, in my career, I've not understood why I was doing something. I've, I've been frustrated by, you know, having to do extra work or, you know, um, I, at the UMLOF, for example, I had been appointed to some working groups for the city. And so I was in just countless meetings about, like, city council-appointed working groups to figure out certain problems in our area, which was a park system in Austin and now I look back and I'm like oh wow I learned so much from that like all mm. those long meetings even though it seemed it felt like a waste of time at the time because I was like I need to be doing all these other things for the institution and I'm in these community meetings like all day but it was so valuable because I understood like how a city council is influenced or influenced by you know so it's just like from any way that you can get involved in a process or in a new system that you don't know about, it's always going to benefit you, even if you don't feel like it at the time. Don't you think so? I totally agree with you, 100%. Again, from a for-profit or non-profit, I think those skills are important. Well, this has been fun. This was different. (laughs) (laughs) I've enjoyed learning more about my wife. I hope you have too. Uh, No, where can people find uh, more about you? I think it's like in the beginning of your 
podcast here, but so you've got a website where you have your podcasts? Uh-huh. Art Life Stories? I think it's sarahstoryartlife.com. sarahstoryartlife.com. There it is. And then um, I think my Instagram is sarahstoryartlife. That's good. I follow you on that one, too. Thanks. Yeah. And those are probably the two best ways. And then the podcasts are on um, the website. And then also, you know, the Mississippi Arts Commission website. It's just a great way if you're in Mississippi to learn about more resources. We also have an Instagram handle, Facebook. And then we have our own radio show and podcast called Mississippi Arts Hour that um, is just amazing. We interview creative Mississippians. Um and I always learn a lot from those interviews as well. That's great. Well, thanks for allowing me to interview. I appreciate thanks that. Thanks for doing it. Yeah. Thanks, everybody.